0: Welcome to The Jack and Around Show, hosted by two-time Academy of Country Music Award winner, Jack Ingram. I'm producer Matt Pivato. Before I toss it over to Jack, allow me first to introduce today's guest, singer-songwriter Brad Warren of the Warren Brothers. Brad and Brett Warren began their music careers primarily as recording artists. From the late 90s through the mid-2000s, they released three records on RCA's sister label, BNA Records, followed by one independent release. During that time, they were nominated for the CMA Country Duo of the Year, six straight years. Over the past 15 years, they primarily have focused on songwriting. Brad has won 15 BMI awards and an Emmy. Brad has also written 15 top 10 songs, including nine number one hits. He has penned songs for artists including Tim McGraw, Taylor Swift, Blake Shelton, Faith Hill, Darks Bentley, Keith Urban, Leonard Skinner, Martina McBride, to Steven Tyler. Don't forget, part two premieres next Tuesday, June 28th. I will leave a link in the description, including bios and links to Brad's and Jack's website. Here's a one minute preview followed by part one of episode 24.
1: And Brett was just like my little brother. I know he looks older because he went gray earlier, but he's he uh, got that
2: badass salt and pepper distinguished. Yeah. Some
1: girl asked him the other day, said, How did you get your hair that color? He goes, God did it.
2: And I'm God.
1: And I'm God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He'd been to a lot of 12 step meetings to figure out he wasn't God. Yeah. <laughs> he got the message yet. And uh, so one day we just went, All right, we're just going to write together. That'll avoid the competition. Let's just write together and literally we have written every song together for over 30 years and then we did this reality show called barely famous i remember yeah so it was and we were at the height of like active alcoholism let's let's say and at right around that time we got our first hit we had written for someone else we wrote a song for faith hill called the lucky one Mm -hmm. and it went to number five on the chart we got our first check in the mail from that and you're talking about busting ass on the road for 200 days a year for like 10 years and uh, we got that check i'm like Dude, we're songwriters. (laughs) (laughs) So we got sober. We we started writing, and then we, you know, Tim McGraw is—he's our. We always say we're the Kato Kalen of the Tim McGraw family. Yeah. yeah. He just how many songs songs did he do? Like how many songs of those were hits? So we've had about four hits for him, but like thirty plus cuts on Tim McGraw records over the years.
2: Welcome to the Jacking Around Show. Available on your favorite audio platforms and in video on YouTube. Visit jackandaroundshow.com for the most up-to-date show information, including links to access the show's catalog of episodes. I'm your host, Jack Ingram. The Jack and Around Show is presented by Lone Star Dry Goods, a curated collection of handcrafted quality goods with a truly unique Americana vibe. Visit Lone Star Dry Goods in person right here at the world headquarters in historic downtown Abilene, Texas, just west of Fort Worth in Willow Park. Or online at lonestardrygoods.com. It was this, I think the guy who lived here before me was like a, a handy stoner. <laughs> like everything that was in the Some South real creative stuff that was, doesn't really make sense. Yeah, it yeah, didn't make sense. It was kind of halfway done. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> the non-finisher. I mean, everywhere. That's kind of cool. You have some projects starting for you. You could finish off if you wanted to. Or... I came in and immediately was like, that has to go. There was, a, there was a spiral wooden. Oh, that doesn't go good with alcohol, by the way. Hippie. That's what I mean. I'm like, <laughs> that's, a, that's not gonna fly. You to go over the fire pole. You <laughs> just slide right down it. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're here with Brad Warren. What's up, buddy? What's up, brother? Good to see you, friend. The monstrous hands on you. I mean, that's a that's a gorilla grip right there. That's right. You know what they say? <clears throat> Big hat. If I could be president. <laughs> you
2: <laughs> you do that overhand shake you exactly. pull somebody
1: into you a little bit
2: so man we met in
1: 97 yeah yeah that would be it at that robber what was that guy's name you know that book that he made that night i wound up seeing it 20 years later that guy made a book and all of us that were playing at that round that night wound up in his book you're kidding me Mm-mm. um what was his name Robert somebody. Yeah. He was a photographer, kind of a famous guy. Oh, wow. <clears throat> but it was me and you and Brett and one of the guys in Hootie and the Blowfish. Mark. It wasn't Darius. Yeah, Mark. R- Mark. Yeah.
2: Tom Littlefield was there. Did you ever know Tom? I, I only remember you and the guy from Weaver. I was really drunk. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long time ago. I remember Littlefield, because that was right when Hootie was.
0: They huge. just they put out huge. their
2: second record. I remember yeah. Meeting those guys and realizing that their second <laughs> record came out while their first record was still in the top 10.
1: That's hard to do. Huh?
2: Like that's – and that poor Mark guy just got raked over the, like my buddy Tom was just in his
1: ass. Just. That night of the writers' yeah. round? because really?
2: it's like, you know – Oh, trying to get on
1: their record? Or no, he was out? trying
2: – it was that thing where, you know, they were young. Yeah. And they weren't really like, that was a songwriter's
1: kind of place that night. Yeah. Yeah. And so. We were young too. I mean, we were young, Yeah, we we, were great. Well, (laughs) (laughs) we had that one good song.
2: (laughs) But he was, and Mark was like, why are you mad at me? I remember Late at night after everybody was leaving, Mark finally looked at Tom and was like, Why are you mad at me? I didn't do anything wrong. I just got in a band that happens to be really popular.
1: It was the moonshine. Remember they passed moonshine <laughs> around that stayed in your throat for like 30 minutes and then kind of worked its way down to the rest of your body. Oh, so, yeah. I think everyone was a blithering idiot by the time that thing was over. And I'll never forget the next day we were we had the same manager, Kid yeah. Levitan. And we were at his office for some reason, and you kind of walked up like you had literally walked from that party and you you were in the same clothes (laughs) that you had on the night before. I'm like, I love this guy. He really doesn't care. (laughs) It was great.
2: That was always the beauty of being on the road. I always felt like a waiter. Like... Oh, yeah, one uniform, right? One uniform. And when the lights, when the fluorescent lights come on, you can see all the stains. But when the show's on, (laughs) it looks like a cool black uniform. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, all kind of generic. I mean, I would always, I would be on the road with people, and they'd have two bags, and we'd be gone for two weeks, and I'd have <laughs> a <one> backpack. Backpack.
1: <laughs> and they're like, "What the?" I'm like, "It doesn't matter, man. Watch this." Yeah, you do disheveled very well, though. That's kind of your <laughs> thing. You're the master of disheveled. Well, you get you get good at what you practice. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> uh, when was the next time? I mean, it's like, I feel like we we hung out then, and then I would see you, like, every four years for the next Well, I just, we, p- we probably just both kept tabs on each other. You know? Yeah, yeah. I
2: kept tabs on you guys. Because it seems like you guys did that first record.
1: And then, and then disappeared? <laughs> and whatever happened to... Well... What'd y'all do? Well, so we did the first record, and then... um and then we did the second record, and if a tree falls in a forest and no one's there, it doesn't make any noise. You yeah, so, have a whole We, You know, it's funny because we, I think we were always meant to be songwriters. Most songwriters start out as artists or something. It's funny because uh, someone was asking me yesterday, uh, Why, do you guys ever think about doing a record again? I'm like, yeah, everyone wants a songwriter to do a record in, until they do one. Right. And they're like, oh, now, what do we do with this? But y'all be different. I mean, Your, it, your record would be good. We, we love playing live and doing the songwriter thing, but it just has, it's, okay, so the truth is, we did the second record, and then we did this reality show called Barely Famous. I How remember. remember yeah, so it was, and we were at the height of, like, active alcoholism, Let's let's say. But that was also be the nice beginning life. of, like, reality stuff. Yeah, it was, was kind of early in that, and honestly, I remember them fuzzing out our mouths when we cussed. And on CMT, that's how long ago it was. Yeah. Now you can pretty much say what we were, what they were blurring our mouths out from, but we did, um, we did that show and um, we did that show and it was fun and funny, but um, we got sober in the middle of that show. And then I think it would be funnier now, but for the last couple episodes, it's like, this isn't really that funny anymore. These guys are like hanging on for dear life, trying not to drink. Right. Um, and, and at right around that time, we, um, we got our first hit we had written for someone else. We wrote a song for Faith Hill called The Lucky One. Mm-hmm. And it went to number five on the chart. And um, we got our first check in the mail from that. And you're talking about busting ass on the road for 200 days a year for like 10 years. And uh, we got that check. I'm like, dude, we're songwriters. <laughs> <This is something." laughs> so we got sober. We, we started writing. And then we you know, Tim McGraw, is, he's our, we always say we're the Cato Kalin of the Tim McGraw family. Oh, yeah. We just, How many songs songs did he do? Like, how many songs of those were hits? So we've had about four hits for him, but like 30 plus cuts on Timbergirl records over the years. So he, I mean, we got a few uh, songs in before we ever had a hit with him or really anybody, just songs on his record that paid a lot of money because records used to sell 4 million copies. And so you got paid for that. It's the songwriters of this generation have no concept of making money on a song that wasn't a hit. Um, But that was. uh, That's an interesting concept. Like. People don't really realize the, the repercussions of that. We miss great songwriters now because of that. Because there were a lot of guys that just wrote great. We would miss guys like Tom Douglas. Mm-hmm. Because Tom doesn't write the most hits. He just writes the greatest songs. Right. And you might have to go through 10 of them. But we, um, because everything has to be a hit now, everyone's trying to write a hit. And you miss those six-minute story songs that are great that Tim McGraw used to have on his record. Right, that make you fan of that artist. <clears throat> and no, so we. I think we miss, there are fewer songwriters. And- It's not like the people that are are writing songs nowadays aren't any good they're great but we're missing some guys that went yeah this isn't a way for me to make a living
2: i was thinking about that the other day like you know the best and brightest figure out a way to make their talents work for them even if it's subconsciously like they they follow this path that ends up being where they can make money and shine yeah and I bet you there's a lot of great songwriters that are in tech oh
1: well, you're yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I mean those I was gonna say it's I wasn't smart enough to do anything else, but I have a little in your gigger, so you probably think the same way, but it's a little bit like if you were if you're gonna well if you have something to fall back on, you will right, and if you were gonna quit and go to tech, you should have been there anyway, so that's true, onward. but i at the same time, I feel like we do miss some some songwriters that would that would be great for the music scene the town of nashville especially just because everything's got to be a hit everything's gotta gotta be a hit oh my god it's three and a half minutes long it's too long we can't you know that's why it's great
2: when songwriters make records that's why is for me as a fan of music and as a fan of like getting into songwriters through buying records when i was a kid you found really great songs that A songwriter would have the sensibility to put on his record because he doesn't have to have a single.
1: And inevitably, those songs would get cut by Well, Buddy Miller.
2: I mean, you know, Bruce Robinson, Rodney Krause. Like, those songs get cut because.
1: Yeah, because they're great songs and uh, Rodney Foster. And
2: and the singer gets taught how to deliver that song.
1: Yeah, yeah, by the writer.
2: By the guy who gave it an authentic professional spin, you know? Yeah. Some songwriters are meant to be in a room. (laughs) Yeah, not
1: every songwriter's performer that's for sure yeah
2: but you guys have tight harmonies it's a it's a pro deal
1: it's funny because it's like a more well-oiled machine if we had been this good at this when we were young it would have happened as artists but we just we were we were distracted by everything um Substances number one, but every you're just distracted by everything, and you get a little older, and you spend some years hanging out with Jay Joyce and Guy Clark, and and you just get better, and you stop caring about the things that don't matter, and you start caring about the soul and what you're doing. And we're better at it now. It's just that like, you know, a fifty-three-year-old songwriter without social media, no one wants you to do a record. <laughs> they say they do, but they don't, you know. I just want to listen to it. I, I mean, I, honestly, we may do a collection of, like we talk with Jay Joyce about it all the time. And we whenever we're off, all of us off on the same month. We're just gonna come in here and write a record and record it while we're doing it. But we just we haven't been off in the last fifteen years that we've been talking about it. That'd be so
2: it. fun. It would be cool. To watching Jay
1: in the studio is <clears throat> It's magic. I don't use the word genius often, but Jay Joyce and Tom Douglas are our two heroes. Brett and I, yeah, and those two guys, like, march to the completely to the beat of their own drummer. Very different, but I'm like, I would love to land somewhere between them. Just really artists. That that's take- an odd.
2: That's an odd juxtaposition to think about. They're Tom really Douglas are. and yeah. Jay and me in the middle So of much that.
1: alike, though. As a different as they are from the outer appearances, so much alike. Because really? Because they do their own thing. They're just not so concerned. They really think more about how they want to spend their day yeah, than what the result is going to be. And then, you know, the capitalist, and you always know, shows up somewhere towards the end of the day. Okay, Jay, can we make this commercial? <laughs> right. Because it's been really cool. But- That's the hardest part, <clears throat> is to
2: get with people like that. And then... The, the business side of them comes out. I I've I found, I found that in the studio, too, where it's like people will start worrying for me about <laughs> the money, how this is going to land. I'm like, hey, man, you're freaking me out.
1: <laughs> Jay doesn't worry about it. Yeah. He's, he's not married with kids. You know, I'm right. like, yeah, I just, Of course he's not worried about so it. So how
2: was that show? Hold on. Let's go back to that show. <clears throat> Barely Famous. That was it. A- yeah. Yeah. I remember watching that. When was that? Like 2000? Okay, so a little bit.
1: 2004 and five. Yeah. 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 I remember. Or five and six. Being
2: something. excited because I knew you guys. <laughs> and uh, was the first show the one about the enema?
1: I don't know how what order they showed <laughs> them in, but that's not the order we. Sh- the first one was the one we hunted on Tim McGraw's farm. Okay. Which we actually kind of like peppered a truck. Like we we shot the truck and kind of shot our bass player a little bit and they didn't even put that on. <laughs>
2: you either shoot someone or you don't. There's no. <laughs> yeah. I shot him a little. No, bit. No, no.
1: It's a shotgun. You kind of shoot him. No, you can. It's, it's kind of a kind of a Dick Cheney thing where you you can shoot them a little bit. You know, right. um, we uh, the shot spreads. You know, right. as you know, and spurts. So if it's way away, you can. You know, so there is a little bit of a peppering. You can do.
2: But I just remember watching the show going. <clears throat> Uh, oh no, this is, this, this is, a we're watching a train wreck. Yeah. My, my wife was like, were you why don't you get a show? I was like, cause this is not going to be on for very long.
1: <laughs> okay. Here's what's funny. They gave us a second season, which we did only four episodes and they offered us a third season, but we had gotten sober and written a hit and we we're like, yeah, no, we're, we're done with that.
2: Well, you got it. That <clears throat> kind of, I mean, it was kind of like the jackass of a country music kind of vibe.
1: Yeah. You kind of mean- had
2: to commit to that bit.
1: And it's funny because it's still literally. So we, we've been we've been sober 17 years, uh, both of us, same week. And everyone's, oh, those guys are crazy. I'm like, we haven't really been crazy in almost two decades. But they were, yeah, it is. It marks your time and you kind of, everyone's waiting for us to light our farts on fire at a party still. And I'm like, we, you know, I don't really do that anymore. <laughs> right. And then, we and then occasionally we do it we still. The, so, yeah. yeah. For old time's sake. <laughs> matured. What's the guy's name? Uh,
2: What band was he in? you know the big punk rocker
1: <clears throat> henry rollins henry rollins i that's mean that's a good pull for me that was a good you pull he said big punk rocker and did that i know well, the muscles <laughs> and uh, but
2: there is that vibe of sober living that's that doesn't take away any of the intensity
1: no no you have that no I, I, absolutely I, I wouldn't say in fact it enhances it's so funny cuz i always um literally thought in in my head when i can't like I need to finish my career before I quit drinking. I kind of knew it was coming. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's coming, but. Um, Search I'm, off as a distant I, yeah, bell. Yeah, it's just thing that's going to happen. I was literally like waiting for the DUI. And yeah. that'll be the, the <laughs> bell ring, you know. Um, and it's funny, the DUI never happened, ironically. We were on a bus a lot, so I didn't do a right. lot of driving. So, um, but I was protecting the songwriting. I'm like, I'll never be able to write again if I don't do this. You have some Ernest Hemingway complex. Like, that's the the ticket. And the, the funny thing is I had zero hits, <laughs> right? no songwriting income as a drunk guy, <laughs> none, but I can't possibly give this up because this lucrative career I've living off advances is going to happen. We got sober and had our first two or three hits in the first year. I'm like, Oh, maybe I was full of shit the whole time. That's like, like magic. Yeah.
2: Plus I, I remember thinking about the Hemingway bit <laughs> and then I heard somewhere, I don't know if it's true or not, but, but he, had, he didn't drink until six that he would am or pm <laughs> pm okay that he would write all day huh everybody thinks of him as being this yeah drunk genius but from what i understand <clears throat> he uh, he would write until 6 and then he'd get hammered and go be the public drunk that he was but the and- writing thing
1: it stays with you a little bit as you're in your mode. Um, Stephen King has a book called On Writing. You Ever? I, I'm not a Stephen King fan because I'm I'm a wuss and it scares me. But he has a, song, a a book called On Writing, and it's kind of his memoir, and then it's kind of about writing. Mm-hmm. Great, great book. I suggest it to any kind of writer of of any ilk anywhere. But he said it's a total myth. The whole like he said, it's just it's just so, a crutch to lean on to say that he said it has nothing to do because he's a recovering alcoholic and he yeah. does, and he talks about it. But um but he wrote the the movie, the book Carrie and doesn't remember a word of it. He was hammered the whole time he wrote it. I'm like, Yo, you're signed to say it doesn't matter, and that's pretty good <laughs> That did <laughs> pretty, pretty well for you, right? That's so, pretty amazing. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. But he yeah, had youth. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean when every time I ever tried to write drunk, I mean I would write while drinking a little bit, but you know, your recall is is kind of the first to go. Like get like little bursts of a thread. And then 10 minutes later, you, you don't f- feel the same energy, with the same, well, the
1: attention span.
2: It's what I mean. Because,
1: yeah. I agreed. The attention span goes to nothing. Here's the deal. I don't think that we ever wrote drunk or high, but we wrote about being drunk and high. And I realized that you can write about being drunk and high when you're sober too. In fact, a lot better, more clearly, <laughs> a little bit of a historical <laughs> thing. You know, it's funny. Uh, because uh, people are like, how do you write about that stuff when you're, you know, you've been sober so long? I'm like, I'm an expert. You're right. I remember how to do that. Right, you don't You, know, to write you have a, a little tiny, very, very tiny, but a tiny tinge of hope in all of our drinking songs, too. There's, there's a little bit, it's unnoticeable sometimes. I always notice,
2: like, a lot of drinking songs, the great drinking songs aren't about drinking at all. It's about why. Yes.
1: Yeah, it's her. <laughs> it's about why we It's always her, right?
2: And that's where a lot of people miss the thread. Because there's it happens a lot in mainstream music too. Is like they start talking about the drinking.
1: Yeah. And th- those are just throwaways. Yeah. It's just furniture. Yeah. It's like a drink is just furniture around the heartbreak. Usually. That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So when did you guys decide, like, did you get drunk? Like, was your songwriting career almost
1: Forced on us, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> you could say it. You could say it. we're old friends. Um, hell yeah, we got dropped so much. I love Pinson um, says he ate himself into a songwriter, yeah, yeah, he really did. We told him the other day, You're twice the songwriter you used to be. No, literally, twice. <laughs> um, well, so we got dropped like every album and they re signed us somehow. See, we were good live and we were bad in the studio, I think, and so they would drop us because we wouldn't play by the rules or we would get drunk at a radio thing and then we would play a show live and they would get re-inspired and re-signed. So RCA signed us three times. Wow. Like with advances, thank God. Cause that's how we, that's how we live for the time being. But yeah, they, um, the last stint with them, they, uh, it's so funny. I'm sitting here as a long haired 53 year old guy, but they, they told me to get my hair cut, And that was the reason we weren't getting played at radio is because I your had hair. long hair and tattoos, which is funny. Now everyone's got face tattoos <laughs> and, uh, and at the time, I had like one little bitty cross. That was the tattoo that they were worried about. Right. You know? And um, it was so funny. I just was like, no, nah, I'm not getting my hair cut. And, and it wasn't about the hair. It was about the idea that, I mean, where's the rebellion in this stuff? It's just completely gone away. So they dropped us for the last time. And then I cut my hair just out of spite to show them that it was just over that. Rebel without a clue. And um, but really was the it was I think they, we signed with a little independent company that a friend of ours owned. Um, a guy named Strauss Zelnick that used to run BMG Mm -hmm. had a record label and we did like a, just an indie record, which is my favorite thing we ever did for sure. And we were on the road shooting that reality series and we had that indie record out. And then we got our, it really was about our, it was about money that we got our first hit. And when we got that check from the Faith Hill song, I was like, oh yeah, we're doing this. We're done. And you know, it lined up, we got sober and I'll, I'll be honest. It's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't, uh, when you don't care who gets the credit. Yeah. And when we realized that it was okay to be behind the scenes life got better, the songwriting got better. We made some money. It was, I mean, it was really, it's, it was about humility, but it was also about making a living, being home. We had kids We <clears throat> wanted to be home with our kids more often. And uh, so it was like a conscious choice for like, yeah, we're songwriters. And we when went, When you from, were like, a kid, did you want, did, is that what you like? I didn't even know it was a job. When I was a kid, I did not know songwriting was a job. I wrote songs. I started writing songs when i was like 12 mm-hmm. because i thought well i want to be tom petty and he writes his own songs and so i just thought you had to write your own songs it's tom from tampa gainesville yeah, that's <clears> pretty close gainesville. though buddy florida guy and uh, that was yeah he was always like our north star of everything just explains a lot i'm sure but um we were i wrote songs because i wanted our band to play and mm-hmm. brett was just like my little brother i know he looks older because he went gray earlier but he, he's uh, got that
2: badass salt and pepper distinguished look. Yeah. It's almost look.
1: like he colored it that way, but he didn't. <laughs> Some girl asked him the other day, said, How did you get your hair that color He goes, God did it. <laughs> but um And I'm God. And I'm God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'd been to a lot of twelve-step meetings to figure out he wasn't God. I don't yeah. know if he got the message yet. Um, but we um I wrote all the songs in our band, and I just told Brett, we need a drummer and a singer. So you're both, you know. So he. So Brett wasn't even in writing. No, nothing. So I wrote all of our songs for our little teenage high school band, and I just gave them to everybody. And- so you've been carrying around Brett. Oh, my back hurts. I've been carrying him so long. It's, it's funny because one day, you know, I realized he can play every instrument. He literally can. Pretty damn good at, at, from B3 organ, piano, drums, bass, played sax, acoustic guitar. I mean, he's pretty good a musician at every instrument He's a really good singer. And then one day I'm like, he's a damn good writer. And he, so we were right each writing our own songs and bringing them to our little band. And uh, we started competing for whose songs to, to record mm-hmm. uh, and to play live. And uh, so one day we just went, all right, we're just going to write together. That'll avoid the competition. Let's just write together. And literally we have written every song together for over 30 years. I have not written one song without him, nor has he written a song without me 30 years. That's insane. It's insane. Isn't it? I'm not even sure why like brothers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not, not as often. We get in a really big one about once a decade. We get in a little one every day we're writing. <laughs> I mean, every day that we're writing, if a new person we're writing with is a little bit like, Whoa, what a dream no though, man, to be able to have that thing. 30 years. We've written every song together. Can you imagine that? No, not a number. Not even. I mean, I, I guess the, the husband wife duo, I understand a little bit because one of them is thinking about, if I argue with this person too much, I'm not going to get sex. Okay. So that's the woman saying that? Well, (laughs) (laughs) but I never thought that about Brett. No. So we just, we argue it out and um, there's no buffer zone. We don't, we're not really worried about the feelings. Do y'all get with,
2: do you two go with like new artists? All the time. I bet they are intimidated, man.
1: I don't know. Sometimes it's funny because sometimes you feel like you're steamrolling this new artist. And so I will back off and I'll try to back him off or he'll back, you know, Hey, let's, let's, um, what do you want to say? Because our job is really a service thing. Now our job is to help someone get where they want to go. This Mm -hmm. is not about my art. It's about helping you get your art better. So that part works good. But other times a new person, artist, or writer will come in the room and I think they're trying to prove themselves and they try, they're steamrolling us. And I'm like, okay, well, you got all the answers. Now I'll be honest. I write with people that are a lot better than me all the time. And I'll be like, Man, you just gotta it's I don't know if you're familiar with Hardy, Michael Hardy. But um I don't know. the first time Oh yes I do. Yeah, he's he's really big right now. But the first time we ever wrote with him, he was just this chubby kid playing bass for CJ Solar. And uh I don't know how he we got in a room together, but somebody booked us on a writing session. At the end of the day, I was like, Holy shit, is that kid better than us? I mean, he was so good, such yeah. a great writer. There's a new guy named Ernest that we actually signed, we drug him around town to get him a publishing deal. And he's got a song out now and he's got a buttload of cuts and hits and radio. I mean, right away he was great, but there's other guys that, that come in and they have all the answers, but not really all the talent. So it's a little bit, it's a little strange to kind of, I don't want to be the crotchety old get off my long guy. Right. But well, I've, I've thought about that a lot, especially since in the last, what? Well, since people
2: stopped selling records. So all those album cuts are gone. And artists got wise to publishing. And I've I've often I always ask guys that are staff songwriters like that write every day because you know I I write for my records and I write when I when it's when I write yeah yeah but I've also I've often wondered what what effect that has of songwriters 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 mm-hmm. get in a room with an artist that doesn't really know how to write. And it's like, are we missing out on some really great songs? I mean, you know, some of those great songs didn't have an artist in the room.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, And, you know, it's funny. If the, like I said, the two guys I just mentioned were so great so early. So some guys really are great early. Other people, if they'll let you help them, because there are certain guys that we let help us. When we were early and didn't know what we were doing. Don Schlitz and Tom Douglas. And oh yeah. And we wrote with them a lot. And I'm so honored that we were able to learn. But there's there's some sort of middle ground between not participating in the right, but letting them lead the, the day and having them do that. And um some people can do that and some people can't. Know when to let the other person lead the day. And by the way, still, some days we're leading, some days I'm leading. Some days Brett's leading, some days the artist is leading. Um, and there's a lot of new talent out there. I just feel like sometimes we're missing some great songwriters because of the artists have, uh, have also, or the songwriters have discovered publishing as well. And so the songwriters own publishing companies and it's small. Yeah, it's small. We, we've gotten involved in the business because we've had to. And uh, it's a, it's a crazy time. It's like the wild west out there. I don't know how songwriters are going to get paid in the future or whether or not they. There he is. Hello? He, he shows up Hello? every time. <laughs> Are we going to meditate now? How are they going to get paid? I think the artists are going to cut them into the masters. I swear. I think that's what's going to be the deal. I think artists will and probably start small, but I think that's what will happen. I think some artists will start cutting songwriters into the, into the masters a little bit because I don't think Google's going to give up their position. Right. Yeah. You know, every time that we got this going on in Congress and Google goes, and smashes yeah. you with their thumb. So, but I, you know, it's, it's terrible because I mean, we play our hit songs live for for corporate gigs. This thing called Songwriter City is awesome. We have a blast doing it. We, we still, uh, you know, we pop a hit out every now and then, and we do, I'm, I'm going to be okay. The 25-year-old songwriter, I don't know what to tell him. There's a, a track guy that we work with, and he had like 20-something cuts the year before. He's broke because he didn't have any hits. Right. 20-something cuts, but he's barely holding on to a publishing deal because there's no money coming in. It's an odd place to be.
2: Well, I guess it's that's one of those deals where it's like, you know, Tom Brady took hits in his contract so that he could have a good team around him. I mean, I guess that's that's kind of the theory you're talking about, is that they're gonna to have to be cut into the masters. I hope it's funny how that's turned completely on its head. Cause I remember, man, when I was on Big Machine after about you know, having hits is fun. It's, oh, fun, yeah. it's fucking <laughs> yeah. fun. Oh, it's the greatest. Uh, but just like anything. Then you realize how, how the work you have to do to to have a hit. (laughs) And it's like after three or four, you're like, so hold on a minute. I'm going out. I didn't write this song.
1: Right.
2: So I'm going out and working for the publisher. And I was always, this was before MP3s and Spotify and all that stuff. So I was always kind of on the side of like, Hey, like I wanted to be Elvis. If 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 I'm going to cut your song and it's going to be a hit, give me some of the publishing. Yeah. Even if I didn't write it because I'm a writer. I know, you know, yeah. And now it's different. Like That's turned itself... Well, the roles have reversed. My, how yeah, they have.
1: Yeah. Um, I remember thinking, man, the publishers and songwriters have the gig. And the record companies are getting screwed. And sure enough, it's completely flipped. And now I don't I don't understand why the publishers aren't panicking more. I've asked them, why aren't you panicking? Well, they figure something out. I'm like, really? You think they're going to figure something out? Because I'm not sure they are.
2: You know, there's got... John Reynolds tell me that... Because he can't sleep. Right. So he has, yeah, like, he, he goes and checks out, uh, like, stoner things on Spotify, like stoner sleep music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he called me one morning. and He was like, okay, we're fucked. I was like, why? He goes, I use this app to sleep. this playlist to sleep last night. And, and it worked. It was great. But it was, like, crickets in a field. And then he goes, It's got like a million and million views. Not not a million, multi, like millions and millions of hits. Somebody owns that master. Somebody's getting paid on putting a microphone.
1: And there's no lyrics. (laughs) There's there's nothing, man. He's like, We're fucked.
2: He goes, Let's take a mic and go out to the highway. Just let's stand there and listen to cars go by. We'll make a million bucks.
1: I'm going to go right with Jack Ingram next week, honey. We're just going to go put a mic in a field somewhere. (laughs)
2: Seriously.
1: Oh, my God. We're going to sit about
2: 200 yards away from the mic and just have a conversation for three hours. It's
1: funny. It's like you were asking me what what it does, like staff writing does to your psyche. So I don't even know if that's... One of the things is you just stop loving music. Not loving... I love music. I get it. But I don't listen to it a lot. Cause you do it all day. It's like the lawn guy coming home and edging his driveway. You <laughs> yeah. just don't, I mean, the
2: lawn guy's lawns is the ugliest. I, I'm listening one that... to
1: Dave Ramsey on the way home. You right. know what I mean? Trying to get my finances in order or something. It's just so much music for so long. It kind of takes that thing away. So I'm like, I I'm never like jazz. Just don't get it. It's just not my thing. I started loving jazz because it doesn't have lyrics. Right. I don't know who I don't know the guy that everything on country radio. I probably had lunch with the guy that wrote the song. Like, oh yeah, I know they say that every song, or whatever it might be. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
2: like you we can hear show, a line
1: and be like, I, I don't know who that we is. We all have go-to. Yeah, he tried that line out on me last <laughs> last year. Uh we all have go-tos. I mean, we have like three lines that are in a yeah, bunch of songs. I didn't do that line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't write that line. Fuck him. Yeah, yeah, a exactly. Hit. <laughs> yeah, it was a hit. but you just kind of stop like following. Everyone's like, have you heard this new band? There's some guys that are my age and they still keep track of every new rock band, pop band that comes on. I'm just, I just have like 30,000 foot view. I think we're better at writing. We're really good at the craft, I think now, but I don't research it a whole lot. Right. Like when you're writing for your record, how, how do you put it like I'm, this month I'm going to write this? No. Or just throughout the year when you feel like writing? Oh, this well, is- man,
2: I'm, you know, just like you. I mean, I can say this in me. Mean- like I'm not talented enough to do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it sounds self-deprecating. Just like,
1: like you. Thanks. Well, I've heard you say false.
2: I've, I've heard your false humilities enough. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, but they're false. <laughs> no, no, but, no. I, I, I you agree. know, man, yeah, it's I like,
2: I really have never tested that out because I've, it was so hard for me to turn the creative faucet on. Don't want to turn it off. That I'm, I'm superstitious about turning Agreed. it off, man. Agreed. So I just go around with my radar out. Uh, I listened to like Jerry Seinfeld was on Howard Stern and he talks about how he has no real relationships because everything is fodder. Everything is, is that a bit? Is that a bit? Is that a bit? Is that a bit? bit?
1: bit? Everything's a song. And I I do
2: that with everybody. Like every time I'm talking to somebody, if it feels like a real conversation, I'm just waiting for them to give me my songs.
1: Oh yeah. And I know you got a notes (laughs) in your phone with thousands, 200. Yeah. Yeah. I I've, I'm by the year, but I'm like 200 a year. Yeah, easy. of just stupid ideas, and guess every now and then they become hits. But yeah, everything it's true. Like you, you never stop in the like. It's my wife will know if we're watching Ozark or something, and I reach over to get my phone. To go, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, and she'll tell me the line I'm writing. She down. already knows. She knows, what she knows. I'm I'm like honey. Guess what? You're a songwriter. <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> even <true>. know. <laughs> All you got to <laughs> so do is listen do. to be a oh songwriter. Like we can write songs. Having a good idea is the hard part. It's like, true. Well, we could we could fill in the blanks, but. Like, you know, God, give me a good one. Well, that's idea. kind
2: of the way I've always written it, and I've noticed that, that it's not that way. Like, guys that I know that do it for a living, just the writing part,
1: <clears throat> yeah.
2: um, they never start a song without knowing where they're ending it. Or knowing what the hook is. There's always a hook that starts it.
1: No, I Whereas, agree. I'm OCD. I want to know, know what this is about before we start, but some guys will just start writing.
2: That's how, what I've always done.
1: I like that. I admire it.
2: It's I mean, I write hard down hard. all the hooks. <laughs> Yeah, But they're in my phone. They stay in my phone. When I actually get down to writing the song. just start writing. It's like, I've had so many panic moments where
1: I'm like, I don't know how this ends. Yeah. (laughs) So I have a friend, a really good friend. His name's C.G. Cooper. He's an author. He writes fiction. And he starts writing a book. And he has no idea how it's going to end, and that blows me away. I'm like, "How do you do that?" Like, I'm writing a three-minute. How does he do it? I don't know. He just start, starts writing. He said it just comes to me. See, a friend of yours? Yeah, he's a really good friend of mine. And you haven't gotten that out of him? yet? No. He said, "Well, he says there is no getting it out of him." He said, "I just, I just let it go, and I think about it while when I'm there. Okay, what's going to happen now? Nah. I don't get that at all, man. I, I want to. I'm, I'm OCD. Yeah. Like I want to know what this is about before we start, so that my details are going to be. I love the details, by the way. Anything from charles bukowski to to you know quentin tarantino movies i love the details yeah the spending too long on one scene or belaboring a point in the song that's cool so i feel like you could do that better if you know where the end is so that your cool fodder pointed to something instead of just being there but nashville turns you into a machine of you can't say it if it doesn't make sense
2: well like the other day when i sent you that song that springsteen song yeah it was funny your comment it's, I know you, I mean, I know you had to appreciate it. And did, did it. you hear the guitar part? Yeah, I, oh, I did. Yeah, did I did. you know what I was talking no, about? No, it was a huge compliment, but those, I did hear it. It was kind of thick mm. staccato
1: thing. Aggressively playing acoustic lead. It's not done that much. actually. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, like I, I love
2: Hearing the snap. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I love it, yeah. Um, but your comment was so. What was my comment? I love, I love that song. No, uh. I miss hearing songs that are just written to, to be, oh, yeah. a, that don't, don't have really point. have a point. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, that's so like, th- that's a common
1: comment from people that write every day. We are not really allowed to write songs without a point. I mean, we're allowed, to, we can write anything we want, but you're not going to get. It's not going to be a good day's work.
2: <laughs> it's then, no one's going to so. hear
1: it. You know, it's funny. It's, so we, we, have this kid, this kid, Ernest, we, I think we might have his next single, but we have a song that's on his record called feet want to run. And it is almost doesn't have a point. But then I listened back to them, like, oh, it totally has a point. We go off on a couple lines. But even when we think we're going outside of the lines, man, it's pretty, you know what we're talking about. You know what's happening in every line in the song. And well, I that's the miss- beauty
2: of that kind of writing. Yeah. Is that the, the subtleties show up in time. Yeah. Just yeah. like when you look back on a conversation that you thought was just in passing, it wasn't. Yeah. That's the faith you have to have to, to write those songs.
1: Yeah. And honestly, we write enough of everything. It is so when we were artists, being um ADD was not a good thing. Like, one we were, we're kind of like dirt rocker guy, we're kind of Christofferson fan guy. Uh, there's all different facets, so one song would feel very hillbilly and one song would feel rolling stones. And the other song is Tom very, very different. Right. And as a writer, that's good because we cover a lot of ground, but as artists, it was terrible because they didn't, we never really had a sound. Right. We didn't really know who like on stage. We wanted to be the rolling stones, but in the studio, we wanted to, you know, write ballads. And it's, so as a writer, it's kind of cool. We get to do that, but there's really no rhyme or reason to, uh, it's funny because, um, that's probably why you get signed though.
2: Three times, four times, because it's we like, we're going to get signed. We well, the energy the that deal. you guys had and have, is palpable I mean it's it's right there t- for the taking <clears throat> and so I, I can imagine I mean
1: yeah I think we were good at getting the the deal when there was air between us but once it got to tape we never found we had Jay Joyce did one song on our second record it's called King of Nothing and it's supposed to be for a movie didn't never show up in the movie and it's the best thing we ever recorded right there's like 16 bars of nothing in the middle of the song for no reason just this one because Jay's a freak and he doesn't care it's the coolest thing we ever did. And we just kind of, said, just, was just hearing an orchestra, just, he goes, just somebody start playing. And then everyone just start playing when you want. And we use our live band. And as we come out of this break, this long break of no music, the guitar starts by itself. And then the drums start. And then the bass starts four bars after that. It's an amazing piece of art. And it's great. But we, ne- that was a piece of getting us on tape. But I have a feeling if we had ever gotten what we thought was magic on tape, it still wouldn't have been a country hit. We're better at writing country songs than we were recording them and being that artist.
2: That's great to be able to compartmentalize that. Yeah. Because I agree with you, man. I mean, when you're an artist, I mean, you just have different arguments in your head. Like, the best stuff that I've ever
1: done, it wasn't, they weren't singles. Because it's... Do you know Chris Lindsay? yeah okay so he's a songwriter in nashville and he he's he's been a really he's just a good resource he has good quotes i love quotes but he said your your biggest hits won't be your best songs and your best songs won't be your biggest hits and that has been completely true and if, as long as you're okay with that you yeah. can have both because i think if you did it's funny because i see a lot of you and brett and i and i'm sure vice versa but if you did what we did you wouldn't be able to have your artist career Right. And if we did what that's you, why, you did, like, you we would have been injecting myself right. into
2: these stories. Like, I, I try whenever I do the podcast, I try where <laughs> everything turns back. But, it is your show. Well, but I try not to insert my stories into because it, it's like that's so easy to do. But when I talk to you guys, we do have a lot in common.
1: Oh, yeah, there's a lot, but it's darkly different where it's different. Mm-hmm. And I could see you doing what we're doing and I could see us having done what you've done, but they didn't, we kind of made that songwriter choice. And I felt like if we had kept doing our own records, it would have always been affecting, we became helpers, service people. I'm not going to help you get where you want to go. We really got inside Tim McGraw's head and knew what he wanted to write about because we became friends and we spent a lot of time with him. We go spearfishing for weeks in the Bahamas and, like oh we know this guy so we wrote to him a lot and it's kind of like the service industry versus plus an artist
2: for I've only had that happen a couple of times where somebody writes a song with you in mind what an ego trip oh yeah it's like
1: what y- y'all thought about, about me for four hours straight start talking about your hometown yeah. you know what I mean it's like oh that's my hometown like, I'm sure Tim was like yes. Uh, then everybody does that. So it's not as much. But did you
2: write with Tom? Did you write with Tim?
1: We wrote, okay. I don't know if you know the song, if you're reading this. The, oh yeah. So we wrote that with Tim and we've written like two other songs with him, but he doesn't write a lot. Um, and he would be a good writer. He does just he enjoy it? It's it's, it's nerve wracking for him. He's actually good at it, but it just doesn't, uh, he's doing so much. Well, and his there.
2: debilitating self-esteem issues. <laughs>
1: <laughs> doesn't does every star <laughs> I mean of course it is so yeah this, the, yeah exactly when you're very rarely wrong and the writers are, you're wrong <laughs> yeah, all day right, you're wrong man. a little bit because there's two people and do you like that line not really you know
2: my favorite is the
0: how about oh,
2: play it and it's like
1: yeah yeah that's cool it's like oh, oh that sucks oh see that's what Brett and I don't do if he does it, I'm like, no, nah, that's stupid. Okay. And we got something beautiful. else or, or he does to me. And so we did at some point have to agree to like respect each other's ability a <laughs> right, little bit. My like, feelings. We're like, we're really shitting on each other every day. <laughs> it was getting, it was getting a little bit like, okay, we gotta, we have to start being nicer about this.
2: But that's, that must be fun. like to get inside someone else's head and it's almost like writing for a, um, are you telling me it's, it seems to me like, I'm sure y'all have written, uh, songs directly for movies or, or TV shows where they give you the script
1: and then you write. Yeah. Yeah. They usually don't make it in the movie, but yeah, I I've get it. That, yeah, yeah.
2: But yeah. It, like if you have Tim McGraw in the room or whatever, and he's giving
1: you the script or the storyline of what, and so all the pressure's off. Writing as a character. So, so fun to me when you get into it, uh, Brett and I and a, and a friend of ours, Blair Daly got in a groove about eight years ago. And we wrote as, as Hank Moody from Californication. We just wrote as him, and uh, we got a really cool Gary Allen song from it, and like three McGraw songs from it. It was that character, and those kind of guys were going to do it, but we weren't getting like I'm not even going to say names, but there were certain guys that weren't going to cut these songs. They were they had an edge on them, um, and so that was it's cool writing writing as a character. It's just that at some point you uh, it's better if the artist is in the room. We've had songs that literally. The artist told us later, yeah, I didn't release that song because I didn't like this word. Like, oh, just tell us, man. We'll change the word. Right. I'm not stupid. Like, just, just <laughs> we're, tell us. Yeah, we're good. So if the artist is in the room and they tell you in real time, I wouldn't sing that word. You go, okay, next. Move on. And we go to the, but, you know, you it's, it's kind of crazy. It's like a crapshoot. There's so many writers with so many hits now. I mean, 20s and 30s of hits. And, um. I, this would have been like an amazing career that we've had, but you're surrounded by guys that are so much more successful. I've kind of gotten into the, the Jay Joyce, uh, how do I want to spend my day thing and it, going that way. So even, right. even in the mercenary mindset, still, how do I want to spend my day? I love writing hit songs. I love to win. There's nothing like you said. It's great having a hit song, right. but uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sprinting after it. Right. I'm, well, you don't have to. I'm jogging beside it, holding its hand if it you're wants the, to hold my the, hand. You're the but...
2: wise bull now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Walk down the hill. Yeah. No.
2: That's a. You know what I hear you say is, and it's such a, a thing of you know in recovery, but it's like, and I'm. It's hard for me to wrap my head around. You had to let go of your artist ego. Yeah. That's tough to do, man. Like. To, to actually be in service to the song and to the artist and and, let, and relinquish only being in service to the
1: art. Literally made our career. We probably wouldn't be... I'd be working at Home Depot if I hadn't gotten into recovery because... You'd be selling cars, motherfucker.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure I could <laughs> yeah. sell a
1: car. Not now, but like, you yeah, could yeah, have when you were yeah, 30. Yeah, yeah, I could sell anything then. <laughs> um, but literally... The difference between, it's all about, I don't know how I was this dumb, but I was. I thought you signed a record deal. Was. Was, (laughs) yeah. I'm a little smart. I thought you signed a record deal, and then you just got drunk and made music, and everyone else did everything else. I didn't even look at our cover art for our albums. I'm like, oh, that's somebody else's job. I don't care. I was, well, that's really when the work starts. So when the transition from, like, being able to serve Like, I'm going to help this person get where they want to be. It's become, that's become our best thing. We can help someone get where they want to go because we're not the best songwriters in the world, but our heads are in the right place. We, we, Brett and I have good synergy together. Um, and, and we're pretty good at helping someone get to it. And then you get good at crafting the song, but helping someone, letting go of, letting go of ego and self and all those corny things that, you know, you learn along the way is literally why we have a career. Because I'll tell you this, if you get to where we are in, in our age and you're not fun to be in the room with anymore, I'm not I'm not talented enough to not be fun to be in a room. That's right. We there's laughter, there's uh there's vulnerability. I mean, we'll we'll go for it. We've written yeah. some crazy stupid songs just going for it. Well, you, you can't serve two masters, they say. And that's why we don't do a record.
2: That's right. That, that that's makes why. sense now. Yeah.
1: And then maybe we will cuz I'd be honest, I don't have um and I can say this for Brett too. We we don't have any FOMO. Like I record comes out, we don't have any songs on it. And somebody we wrote for before, I'm like, bah, they 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 grow, they move. I don't I don't care anymore. I'm cool with like whatever happens. Life has kicked me hard enough to where I'm not worried about the the, the little things. So I can be, I can actually, this is crazy. I can actually be happy for someone else now. <laughs> it's not no, something that came naturally come on. to me. Hey, hey. I know you're getting greedy here. <laughs> I can actually be happy for someone else. I can. That's fantastic. It's recent. <laughs> Sadly. Do you so you don't
2: have that thing? So when mm-hmm. when a record comes out, and like let's say some of your buddies, not Tom Douglas, not your heroes, but like a your, younger guy. Your peer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they have a song that's great. And it's a hit. Yeah. You don't have that
1: tinge of jealousy?
2: No no yeah me neither me neither as long as they're less
1: <laughs> as long as they're less successful than me there we go <laughs> I mean, come no, on I mean, hey honest. jesus so i mean yeah like do, do i ever have some sort of kind pity thoughts about shane McAnally and ashley Gorley? no sure <laughs> there, no. no they're, they're really both of those guys but there are there are friends of mine that have had well ernest is like my little brother this little guy and he's Crushing and having these hits, and i 'm literally just happy for him there's no and up to now i haven't it's, none of it's been stuff we wrote with him, and we kind of started him out but um just using that as an example though it's, and that's a recent thing in the last like you know five years three or four years, especially the last couple of years but i'm like five years oh. ago
2: did it kind of light a fire or what how did like how did that affect you did it, did it burn
1: no I was i just pissed him on for a few days you know that, there's a lot of saw so new writers um well, hear my. Listen to my songs. They're better than song A that's on the radio at number three right now. I'm like, man, you can't look at it that way. You can't. I haven't done that in a long time. Well, right. oh, my songs are better than this. It's a subjective thing that we're in. That's who right. knows? Who? Hey, I can't. I can't be that guy anymore. Either we wrote Red Solo Cup. I can't. I can't. I can't have an ego about what becomes a hit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's funny how a song like that will humble you.
2: <laughs> Was that a well, 10 minute song? Did you write that with Toby?
1: No, no, well, uh, just, uh, with Brett Jim Beavers. Um, we we started a, uh, a college band that never played a gig called the Warren Beavers. We said, we're going to write like a college band, never serious stuff that no one else in town would write. And uh, so we wrote this first little six song EP on that album was a song called Hey Now that Tim McGraw cut, Red Solo Cup and Felt Good on My Lips, which is a three week number one for Tim McGraw. We were not at all trying. When we wrote Red Solo Cup, total joke. Jim Beaver's came in and said, "Hey, I've been wanting to write a song to a a love song to a a Red Cup. What do you think?" And we're like, "Yes, let's do it. (laughs) Yes, super fast." As a joke, we weren't even going to record it. Um, Luke Wooten was the engineer on our demo session. This is a little band that we 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 made CDs. Remember those? Yeah, it was called the (laughs) Warren Beavers, and uh, we just passed them around town as like a band, and then we got cuts from them, and uh, we weren't going to record Red Solo Cup. And for that little disc and the engineer said, no, you record that just for me. I just wanted to show my wife. And so we had already broken the drums and everything down and the amps. So we just stood around a mic and played, did the song and Jim Beaver sang it while we were doing it as a joke, just for this guy's wife. And that's literally the record. Toby just took the voice off But He actually made it. You're kidding do me. Do the round. It's just the four of us in a circle around a mic with no drums. Brett Beaver's with a banjo and the rest of us with acoustic guitars. See, man, that was kind of a music moment for a fantastic. dumb song. Like that.
2: Well, that's the thing about dumb songs like that. They're not dumb. Yeah. Like they're, they're it's a moment of creation. Like y'all caught the moment of creation
1: on tape, and that's why it worked. It took 20 years and 30 minutes to write that song. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? It's uh but that being said, the the uh the little six-song album we did, this is great. So we're gonna we're gonna do this again. We're not gonna well, the second time we tried to do it, we cared. Right we're pointing to we wrote a couple of other really funny songs it's, that just that just didn't happen we were trying. Just trying we were trying it's so funny how music doesn't music doesn't really care how you're it knows how you're feeling, but it doesn't care what you're trying to do
2: yeah i mean that's a, that's a, that's why we that's why we get hooked on it because it's
1: just that's why we do drugs and drink because it puts you in that mindset where you don't think you don't care and you think you're doing it better
2: I've always said that it's a that the drugs and alcohol were like a game of shoots and ladders where, where you have to go all the way around, but take a little hit and you get that shoot down to the groove. You're like, Oh, I'll
1: just take this ride down the slide. Taking a shortcut to inspiration. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. It was a shortcut to inspiration. It's funny.
2: But if, that's, a, that's some of the beauty of getting to dig into that stuff is like, guy asked me a couple months, a couple weeks ago. He was like, what great things happened because of drugs and alcohol? I'm like, well, that's a long list. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like they weren't they weren't great. If if it's just you know, there's that other side. Of it.
1: Even in the recovery portion, <laughs> my life, the service that I've been able to provide in my life, it comes from the recovery from that that I wouldn't have gotten. Believe me, my parents tried in church; it just didn't take. Right. It comes from whatever I I am that's decent now. Comes from me having been that guy. And learning to recover and go to new guys. So yeah, I give it, I give it credit for quite a bit. So even these things daring it, but even the post, the post op of, you know, anything uh, moderately kind about me would be, would come from that or whatever. Right. Cause I'm pretty selfish son bitch. If I'm, you know, if I'm just, just acting on my own instincts. But, but that's it's really why, because- that's why
2: it's pretty amazing to hear you talk about, I mean, you're such a big personality yeah. you, know, you fill up a room, which is, which I love. But man, that's difficult to to turn that into to having real humility and going, okay, it's not about me. Because I mean, you know, if you're writing a a song for someone else, let's say it's a young female artist, to not insert yourself into that song is fucking difficult, because <clears throat> you. All the, all the self-esteem issues, all the insecurities of like, man, I, am I really writing this song about whatever it is? And you're, and you're just facilitating for someone else. It's, it's, it's a trip.
1: It's a, that's a really funny point because uh, we like wrote with Taylor Swift before we got sober. And our comment was, nobody wants to hear songs about your teenage life in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wrong a lot in life, but never more wrong and Taylor Swift, that no one wanted to hear about high school. Apparently, yeah. everyone wanted apparently, to hear about high that's school. That's a pretty big deal. Wow, I guess <laughs> like thirty year old women want to hear about high school. Apparently,
2: my mom, because she's my mom, and I was on tour with her when all of that was happening. And with Taylor, your mom, we, I toured with my mom. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Can you imagine? She's out getting the weed. <laughs> there are families. Give me the weed, it, mom. It does <laughs> Oh, my mom would call me and be on my side, like because we were on the same label. She was getting all the attention, was so like,
1: that's right. So you did she, your time on the.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. So she'd be like, "Well, I don't really get it." I'm like, "Well, mom, you're." golden child here has been trying for 20 years to write one song that hits an entire generation in the face she's like yeah well she's go, every song she's put out hits an entire generation like I don't want to hear any more shit talking on this fucking genius
1: makes me feel nice that you missed it too <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it just, I just missed it and his what's funny is 18 years later, she went back and recorded five songs that she wrote back then. So she could have the masters and added them. And one of them was our song that she did do that with Keith Urban. Really? And because of streaming and not record sales, we made like $800 a piece. <laughs> That's Way to go. Taylor Swift Great song. timing. Taylor. But we didn't get a cut finally. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's, it's, uh it's amazing how wrong you can be. And you're just adamant. I'm not saying I wouldn't have missed. I wouldn't have missed it being sober and in recovery, but I would have been much less likely to miss like the specialness of Taylor Swift yeah. in a room because I was like, ah, high school songs. And and the truth is maybe if we had, and we did write some songs with her, but I I would have, if you knew, I would give it a lot of focus, which we we really didn't. It was just, well, yeah. That, I mean, she's a good writer too. I always she, said she was, she's she was always really writer. good. I just didn't think anyone wanted to hear about high school, but Right. Apparently, they had better high school experiences than I did or something. I was not Maybe. thrilled with it. Yeah. Well. Her- we went to a little church school, uh, church school. Did you listen to music growing up? Like, Oh, yeah, because we weren't allowed. I grew That's up in a I mean. Baptist church. Super fundamental, um, evangelical, speaking in tongues, Baptist church. So kind of a hodgepodge of weirdness um, all piled into one. And we weren't allowed to listen to non-Christian music. So we started listening to like heavy metal Christian music, like Striper. And um, then we weren't allowed to listen to that either. I'm like, good God, what do we have left? So I loved music. So I snuck out of my house in the middle of the night and we would run down the street like a mile to our friend's house and watch MTV for like three hours and then run back and sneak into our bedrooms. I was smitten by music. I loved Van Halen and Tom Petty and, you know, the video to You Got Lucky, baby. And, And just, it was just, uh. I love hot it. Hot for teacher. Oh, I'm hot for
2: teacher. Come on.
1: It's the greatest.
2: We were, we were watching MTV at the same time. <clears> yeah. Cause we were you were, you know, it's funny.
1: Another connection. I just realized too, sorry, we're skipping around a lot, but, uh, lips of an angel, which you had a big hit on was, uh, we wrote like the next two albums with Hinder after that album that, that they had that song. We wrote all American nightmare. We wrote mm-hmm. like nine songs on that record and then six on the one following that. And then whatever happened, but it's funny. We just, where are those the- guys? They have a new singer. Um, we're friends with them. Uh, they're, they're, they have a new singer, so I don't know much about the band, and then we ran into Austin. But, um.
2: You know what I found out through doing that song is Hell Hath No Fury Like a Hender fan scorned. Oh, really? Dude, they, they were, were not you? happy that some country dude <laughs> <laughs> stole their touchstone.
1: It's like Jason Isbell fans being mad at Morgan Wallet. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> it it's a compliment. A trip, man. Really, they were upset, I was like, dude, huh? I'm just trying to make them a million bucks. You yeah. Mean- yeah yeah it was funny the funny thing is they don't have any fans left so I, where's the ire now
2: <laughs> they became ingram fans yeah.
1: <laughs> you stole them way i knew go. i
2: could win them over with love yeah
1: you're kind of like us we're on the long slow climb to the middle that's right you know i mean it's like the middle feels good no it's great man living on a five and you don't ever if taylor, <laughs> living on five living on a five taylor swift only has one way to go
2: that's right this we get to kind of just be ambivalent.
1: My father-in-law, who's 75 and doesn't know anything about anything and doesn't care. He watches all in the family all day. Yeah. He said he said to the other day, "Where's Taylor Swift been lately?" <laughs> <laughs> She's taking a vacation maybe? She's three months off. Is that cool with you? That's funny. It's pretty funny though. Like, where's Taylor Swift been lately?" And I'm like, "Man, the artists don't really get
2: a break." It's that is is I've thought about that cuz cuz I have kids that age. I have kids that are were teenagers when Taylor Taylor was like really <laughs> They love them. She, I mean, they, loved they, her. they loved her yeah. and there is a moment I remember Emery Gordy Jr. the producer yep. um, he was like man if this starts happening you get 10 years and then some people make it past 10 years but artists get a decade and then the great ones continue to do whatever they're going to do have a second act. Really
1: small group of them yeah, yeah second
2: act even if it's not hit songs like you know Haggard toured in you know, you, George Stray, you, you yeah. can keep going. I mean, George is an anomaly, yeah. but it's funny. You can, you can feel the air shift after, I remember seeing it with like Miley Cyrus is doing a great job of having a third act, you know, but there's like this moment where the anticipation for the record is not the same. Everyone at school is not talking about it. They're, they're aware she has a record, out, but it's like, there it has to be some, like, like the highest it's like doing crack.
1: She's dying right now that Morgan wallet is outselling her. She's dying. <laughs> she has she's to be freaking out. I mean, she has to be, she has to be unless she's that guy with a sleeveless snap shirt is outselling me. She's freaking out about it, but the audience does what they want to do. We don't decide. Yeah. We, it's funny. I, I'll say this, the wild West that, 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 the new music business is and the streaming versus buying albums in stores, man, I used to love to go to the store and see a, an album with your song on it, and yeah. know, we would always go buy it. I miss that, but truly, the audience gets to decide now. They decide what true. they like. We don't. I mean, if they, if, if one song is outstreaming the rest of them by by four times, that song usually gets to be the single. Yeah, so it's a lot less griping from a songwriter. Our same song on, was better. It's the
2: same on the throughout the whole part of that business is like when people bitch to me about, <clears throat> man, it's, why is he doing
1: that? Why are you doing not like? There's no politics and taste. Remember Harlan Howard? <laughs> yeah. He, some guy was weird that he used to live at that Longhorn bar. Mm-hmm. It Long Ranch or Longhorn down in Music Row? Right down there.
2: Right the, off the Music white, Row. yeah, yeah.
1: Had his own seat with a placard on it, but we'd sit down there with him and he would drink. Some some new guy was complaining about not getting any cuts, or whatever. And he, he just kind of leaned up from his drink and said, nobody sent for you, kid. <laughs> and I thought, hey, man, I got nothing to complain about. Like, yeah. And and we can get into that mode because, by the way, there's always somebody richer, smarter, and better looking. There's always somebody hotter, and if you happen to be that hottest person, we just said it. There's only one way to go, but down. So yeah. I have been become so okay with just like whatever, whatever the career has for me. I just I really don't worry about it anymore. We'll see how that works out. I'll let you know in five well, years. Well, that's whatever. the thing
2: is that, that's that's how you make it through. Yeah, that's how you make it to the next part. Like you said, Taylor Swift is dying. She probably is not dying. Like she's not dying. She's doing just fine. Let's be honest. Yeah, but she's not happy. But <laughs> unless she's doing the same kind of work that we've all had to do as we... No. You know, we weren't always 50 either. No. No, I know. We were going to be the next big thing. It's, it's three different parts of our career. Yeah. And she's smart enough to where she's going to... She'll do some...
1: She's probably know, doing some searching. Yeah. She's doing some yeah. searching. To yeah. Just like...
2: I went to a therapist and I was like, what about this? What about that? He goes, you're 42. This is what 42 year olds think about. <laughs> like you're not special, dude.
1: That's so funny. It's funny. Cause after years of like, I, I thought I was the guy, right. For 30 years, I thought I was the guy. Turns out I'm the guy behind the guy. I might <laughs> even be the guy behind the guy behind the guy, right. whatever. But I'm allowed to do what I want for a living. I got to be home with my children when they were growing up. Uh, There's a lot of things. It's, it's the best job I can think of to be, but it's, I mean, nobody gets to be the best at any given time, but one guy, right? There's hundreds of songwriters in town it used to be thousands. We, we should all be glad that we're doing this for a living. Cause it's right. not, it's not an easy thing. And especially you turn 50, man. It's like, okay, I'm pretty proud of being able to survive in this, but you're only the hottest thing in town for a period of time. And there's only one of them. Right. Only one at a time. Right. Even, even like, think, think about guys like Vince
2: Gill. He'll never be the next big thing.
1: He's kind of really gracefully come into this thing where he is just legendary, playing with the Eagles. He seems really at, comfortable with himself. But I bet it wasn't player. right away.
2: I think that is called like relying on talent. Well, he is that good. Well, yeah. <laughs> hey, man, let's take a break. Okay. And then let's come back and yeah. try and make each other cry.
1: All right. All right.
2: Oh, that's why you want to take a break. Yeah, I can drink. It. Yes. This is the first time that I really did think we've never taken a break before.
0: Thank you for listening. Don't forget, part two premieres Tuesday, June twenty eighth. Link is in the description.